Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Everybody say joy overflowing. Today is, like I said, the third Sunday in Advent. Advent is this time of the year that comes every, every year, it comes this time, and it's the time that where we intentionally step into the story and we remember the waiting and the anticipating of the coming Messiah, the first coming. But it's also a time where we intentionally realize that we are now living a, a different advent where we are waiting and anticipating the second coming of our Messiah. Amen? And so again, the, 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 this, this week is the highlight, uh, the, the highlighted theme this week is joy. You know, week one, we started with hope. Week two, last week we started, we, uh, we didn't start, but we had love. And now this week is joy. Namaths came, they lit the joy candle, they read the scriptures, we prayed together. Joy candle is also known as the shepherd candle. Because of the story of the shepherds were tending the flocks in the field, and the angels came and announced to them, hey, don't be afraid. You know, like, angels showed up. It was a scary moment for the shepherds. This, it's like, ah, you know. And they're like, hey, don't be afraid. Be full of joy. So it's the joy candle. It's also the shepherd candle. And as the candle is illuminated physically, we pray that there is an illumination of revelation in our hearts um, the, uh, of, of joy that comes through the person of Jesus, our Messiah, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, amen, and the salvation that he's gifted us. Jamie asked me yesterday, she goes, hey, um, tomorrow is, is, you know, we light the joy candle, right? I said, yes, tomorrow we light the joy candle. It's the third week of Advent, and she goes, oh, great, that's good. Like, we get to laugh and have fun tomorrow at church. And it caught me a little off guard because, like, yeah, unlike the other 51 weeks of the year where we're, it's just miserable. You show up at the church the other 51 weeks of the year and it's just, you know, serious. And no, but uh, so he, he, it was kind of funny. He caught me off guard like that. But some people have this impression of Jesus and they have this impression of Christianity and they have this impression of the church that it's just like all super serious and it's doom and gloom and that's, it's really not like that. Praise God, right? I mean, thank God. Aren't you glad that we can have a good time in church more than just one week of the year, <laughs> right? Church ought to be fun. It ought to be full of laughter and joy. And, uh, and why is that? Why is... Uh, church supposed to be full of joy. Well, why, why has Advent, uh, has, has this theme of joy in one of the, these weeks of Advent for the last 15, 1,540 years at least? There are many things about joy. There's many things about joy during this season. Family is part of joy. You know, the parties that we experience during this time of the year bring joy to us. The music, the food, the um, presents, I guess, you know, presents, that's fun. Not just to get them, but to give them, it's fun. You know, speaking of presents, giving presents, I've got a bunch of, you know, um, nephews and I've got one niece. One of my nephews, he's like seven years old, I think. 
You know what he wants for Christmas? He wants his own iPad. Some of you are like, my seven-year-old has an iPad. Now listen, my family, we don't, our, our seven-year-olds don't have their own iPad. I'm like, uh, Jesse, do you want a notepad? Because I can get you a notepad. Otherwise, you can get yourself an iJob to get the iCash to pay for the iPad because you are not ruining iCredit score. You know, that's a lot of money. That's like when we were kids asking mom and dad for like 30 bikes. You know, can I have 30 bicycles? You know, that's like the same equivalent of that. You know, I'm like, I'll, I'll get you a pad. I'll get you like the original iPad. It's called Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> like, what? What am I supposed to do with this? Where are the apps? There. Take this. Go out under that tree. Get you some Angry Birds. Man iPad. We didn't have that as kids. We had toys when we were kids. We had toys that were dangerous, like Lightbright. How many of you remember Lightbright? And you played with it in the bathtub. That <laughs> was dangerous. Easy Bake Oven. My sister tried to kill me one year with her Easy Bake Oven. She ran out of like the pre-mix that comes with it, you know. And you follow the instructions and you do all that. All that's fine. You, you end up with like a really cruddy cupcake, basically. But it doesn't kill you. But she runs out of the premix, and I guess she's tapping into her inner Martha Stewart or something. And she whips up some other concoction. And that little light bulb in there cooked it. And, and, and ding! You know, and she comes and she brings me this. Here, I baked you a cake. I'm like, that is not a cake. That is a cat turd. Do you think I'm stupid? I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> so toys, presents, family, music, vacation, all these things are, are, are joy-filled, but they're not really the center of joy, right, for, the, for, for what we're talking about for Advent. You know, is that my phone? Somebody call it me? Yes. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. So, uh, sorry, I got on to Alana about that earlier. She is just, I, you just stand up and give it to me now, girl. So, <laughs> why are these things not the center of, of joy that we're talking about? Because all those things are temporal, right? They're temporal things. And the reason we keep coming back to this idea of joy year after year after year, decade after decade, century after century, is because of something eternal, and it's the person of Jesus, the eternal Son of God. Because he was born of a virgin, he grew in wisdom and stature, he taught us who God is and how we are to respond to God. He worked miracles, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross a, self, a selfless death, paying the price for our sins, eternally paying the price for our sins, praise God. He resurrected from the dead, conquering hell and the grave. He adopted us into his family, and then he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you and I until the day he returns. That's why we celebrate joy, amen? 
And if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you know this already. Like, you know, all right, joy, yeah, I've got this, I know this. But the question is I have today is, what is it? What is a joy? I mean, as Christians, we all know that we're supposed to have it, but what is it? You know, definitions are simply like just descriptions of the way that people use words. Words don't have like intrinsic definitions. They're given definitions by the way that people use words. So when we ask, what is joy? We're asking, well, whose joy are we talking about? And we're asking also, what's the use of the word that we're talking about? So today when we're saying, we're talking about joy, and in every single advent that this theme comes up, we're talking about the way that it's used in the Bible. We're using the Bible to shape our language and give us our vocabulary for this right here, for the word joy. And so we look in, in the book of Luke chapter 2, and I referenced this just a moment ago, but Luke chapter 2 verse 9, let's read this here. It says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, talking about the shepherds that were tending to their flocks in the fields, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Now, I th again, like sometimes I think when, we, when we're here in church, we know the presence of God, we experience the presence of God, but we don't always have like an, an, an army of angels showing up <laughs> in our midst and if that happened, we may be a little like, oh my gosh, maybe not just a fear like we're afraid, but there's this, re this reverence and awe. But that's not even the reverence and awe thing that they were experiencing. They were experiencing fear because the angel tells them to not be terrified. This is they were terrified. And the angel reassured them to not be terrified because they weren't used to the presence of God. They weren't used to seeing supernatural things. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's where we're getting our language from for this, this use of this word joy. Also, the word joy is very much related to the word rejoice that Paul uses in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, we've all heard this before. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. rejoice. We're talking about joy. We're talking about Christian joy as the Bible describes it. And so I've, I've come up with this definition, and I've, I've, I've heard this also from somewhere else, and I just thought, this is so rich, this is so good, this definition of joy. And it's this. Joy is a good feeling in your soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty and the glory of Christ in his word and in the world around us. Can we just all repeat this together? Let's just say this all out loud together. Ready? Joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Now, I've heard sermons before where it talks about how joy is a decision. 
that you have to make, right? Has anybody heard anything like this before? Like you've heard someone say something like, choose joy. I mean, I've said that before. I've heard that before. I've repeated that. Choose joy. And when we say that, it's linked into this this, uh, connotation of why are we saying choose joy? Because our circumstances seem to want to rob us of joy sometimes. And not just the natural circumstances, but then we have an enemy in, in the spirit realm Satan is trying to steal joy from you. It's something that belongs to us already as believers. We don't have to like, just like, oh God, go out and get it. It's something I don't have. It's, it's something that is part of your inheritance already as a believer. But the enemy wants to make you think that it's not, and he wants to steal it from you. And sometimes our circumstances do that because we we get out of joy and we get into feeling the weight and bearing the weight of our present circumstances. And, you know, this year, the Lord gave us a word, you know, for 2020, that 2020 would be the year of strong families, but it also feels like we've been fighting a word that the enemy had spoken over our life, that 2020 is the year that I'm going to steal your joy. But we're not coming into agreement with that, amen? Amen. We're out of agreement with that. We're going to choose joy. And while there's an element of truth in the idea that we can decide to choose joy in spite of unfavorable circumstances, and we can choose joy in spite of, right in the face of our enemies, he tries to steal it from us. There's another aspect about joy that I think sometimes we overlook because we focus so much sometimes on, on the choice that we have to make to choose it. So, and that's this, here's, here's, the other aspect that gets overlooked. Joy is not just a choice. It's a, what does that say? It's a good feeling. So wait a second, JD. Wait a second. You just said that we could choose joy, but now you're saying it's not a choice. You're saying that we... We, we can decide to have it, that it belongs to us already, but now you're saying it's a feeling. Which is it? You're confusing me. You're, you, I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand this. Is it, is it a choice or is it a feeling? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is both. <laughs> it, it is a choice and it's a feeling. I want to talk about it being a feeling because I think we, we've, we've talked a lot, not just we, but me, but the church a lot in general has talked a lot about choosing joy on purpose. But I want to talk today a little bit about what it means that joy is a feeling. By Bible definition, the word that's used in Luke and in Philippians, joy is a good feeling. This is by Bible definition. If you go up and look up the Greek words that are used right there in Luke, if you look up the Greek word that's used in Philippians and in the other places that it's mentioned, it's talking about a feeling. And so by that, I mean that it's not, it's not just like a concept. It's not just an idea. It's not just a conviction or persuasion or decision. It's a feeling. Another way to say it is, is that joy is an emotion. How many of you saw the Disney 
or the Pixar movie uh, Inside Out some years ago. That, I think that came out like 2014 or something like that. I can't believe that movie's like six years old now. And one of the primary, four primary emotions is joy. Now, Pixar didn't just make up a good story. They did their research and then built a, a beautiful story around some, some emotional truth that exists. And, and so one of the marks or the difference between an idea and an emotion or feeling is that you don't have immediate control over your feelings or your emotions. But J.D., I thought you said we could choose joy. That's true. But also there's this other element that we need to be cognizant of and we need to be aware that this is kind of the way that it works and the way that God works. That joy is a feeling and feelings we don't always have immediate control over. You can't just snap your fingers sometimes and just decide I'm gonna feel this way. Sometimes it takes time, sometimes it's a process. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you're camping. And you're out in the middle of the woods and you're camping and you're, it's at nighttime and you're in your tent and all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear the, the snapping of twigs and you hear the crunching of leaves and you wake up and you see this, this great big full moon is casting the shadow, the silhouette of a giant bear on the tent of your wall or on the wall of your tent. <laughs> And you, you don't see that giant bear outside your tent and go, hmm, bears are big, bears are wild, bears are scary, bears are meat eaters. I probably should be scared right now. I should be afraid. I should be freaking out. Okay, I've decided now I will be freaked out. <laughs> that is not how it works. You see that, and all of the stuff just happens in, in milliseconds. And you've got this, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? That's how feelings work. So I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to this, because, again, you gotta, you, thinking works like this. Thinking works like, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. This is, I'm going to, now I'm going to make this decision. But feelings don't happen like that. They just happen to you oftentimes. So, so listen to this. Emotions happen to you, which means the Bible is filled with commands for us to do things that are immediately outside of our control. Don't be afraid. What did the angel say? Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Do you think just immediately... The shepherds went just immediately from fear to joy? Or did they have to warm up to it? Did they have to hear the message? Did they have to process what the angel was saying to them? And even then, <laughs> sometimes there can be both things present sometimes. Even then, two different emotions can seem to be present. I didn't mean for it like to turn... Inside Out, the movie Inside Out, into like a, a theological, uh, you know, 
exposition or anything, but you think about that movie and you think about the emotions that the the struggle between the four emotions that they have in that movie is such a great picture of what happens on the inside of us sometimes. And the, the, the Bible, God's word, instructs us sometimes and commands us sometimes to do things that are immediately outside of our control. Commands to rejoice. Commands to not be in fear. Commands to be grateful. Commands to be tender-hearted. St. Augustine prayed this wonderful prayer one time. This is amazing. He said this. He said, Father, command what you will and then grant what you command. Father, command what you will and then grant what you command. It reminds me of in Mark chapter 9, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I feel like, where... Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he's met immediately by a crowd and there's a man in the crowd who had a, a son who was being tormented by a demon and he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need, please, will you cast the demons and make the demons flee from my son? And uh, I think you can do it. And Jesus challenges him there just a bit on his belief. And the guy says to Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. See, there's two things that are happening there at the same time, simultaneously. Two different emotions, two different belief is happening, but also doubt is happening. And I love this, this, what Augustine is saying here. And all throughout the Bible, God requires of us things that we cannot immediately produce in our own power. I know I should be feeling joy right now. I know I should be feeling what God's word is telling me to feel, but I can't always just flip it on like a light switch. And when Augustine said, Father, command what you will, grant what you command, he knew that God commanded certain emotions that he could not just make happen like the flip of a switch on his own, in his own power. So basically he's saying, God, you are God and I am not and God, you are able to tell me whatever it is that you want me to do. God, you, you, you tell me whatever it is that you want me to do. And I want to be obedient. But God, I'm going to need your power and your help to be obedient to what you commanded me to do. So God, help me. So the first part of this definition is that joy is a good feeling. The second part of the definition is that joy is a good feeling in the soul. What are we saying here? We're saying that joy doesn't start in the body. That the soul, the immaterial part of my personhood, experiences joy first. Now, it is possible for my body to then catch up and feel the, the effects of joy that's in my soul, but it starts in my soul before it gets to my body. I think it's important for us to process this sometimes because I think sometimes we expect the outward physical feeling to come first. And we need to pay attention that these things that God commands us to do are deeper than just the out, outward shell. But there's something that's happening on the inside of us. 
It starts in my soul, and then my lungs fill up with oxygen. It starts in my soul, then I feel a little pep in my step. It starts in my soul, and then tears of joy even come. But it doesn't start with the physical. It starts in my soul and then affects my body. The body is just chemicals and muscles and nerves, and it's made up of electrons and atoms and, and molecules. And when those molecules move, that is not a moral event. The body doesn't have just right and wrong. A movement of my arm back and forth like this has no moral significance at all, okay? Until, until my will or my emotion tells it to punch somebody, like I saw at a middle school basketball game last night. <laughs> For real. There were a lot of emotions that were being unleashed in the body last night on that court, even between parents. And so my, my arm moving back and forth has no meaning whatsoever until my soul gives it meaning to punch, which would be bad, or to hug, which would be good. Some of you are like, hug? That's how you hug? <laughs> Looks like you're doing a wrestling move. My soul imparts virtue. It imparts the right and wrong to the physical parts of my life. The Bible clearly states and says that it is right to feel joy in God. And it also says that it's wrong to be anxious about specific situations. There's a rightness and wrongness to the emotions. And these emotions precede the bodily movements that follow. The feelings are the movements of the soul, which then are fleshed out in the body. But joy is not just a good feeling in the body. It's not. Anything that happens in the body is a result of what happens in the deepest part of you, in your soul. The third part of this definition is that joy is a good feeling in the soul and it's produced by your just sheer will. No. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. And this is clear. It's clear that I cannot just make it happen on my own. There's these, in Galatians chapter 5, we see these fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You guys have heard me say this time and time again. And you'll hear me continue to say this from time, and, from time to time. The fruit of the Spirit is not a laundry list of good Christian behavior that you have to try to execute. Well, I've got to try to be more loving, or I've got to try to be more patient, or I've got to really exercise my self-control. You do have to exercise your self-control, but the ability to exercise self-control the ability to exercise patience, the ability to be faithful, the ability to do all these things, to have joy, comes as a result of you having spent time with the Holy Spirit. 
It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of Kendra, not the fruit of JD, not the fruit of Jake. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It means he's the one that produces it. Again, apple trees don't try to produce apples. You know, that's not how it works. They just do it because it's part of their DNA, right? And when you spend time with the Holy Spirit, joy. It just comes. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the joy that's overflowing, the joy in my soul overflowing towards God comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. The fourth piece of this is that the Holy Spirit doing this work does not magically happen without my mind being engaged. It's by him causing me to see the glory and beauty of Jesus Christ. It's not like, you know, he, he takes a magic wand and he goes, okay, now you get the joy. And we don't even know what's going on. That's not how it works. Paul tells the Philippian church, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Let me ask you this. How do you rejoice in the Lord if you don't know anything about the Lord? How do you rejoice in the Lord if you're not seeing things about the Lord that cause joy to rise up in your heart? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why you want to spend time with the Holy Spirit, because he causes you to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. Again, he doesn't just sprinkle fairy dust over you, and then you, you, all of a sudden you just rejoice without knowing what's going on. The Holy Spirit is given, according to John chapter 14, 16, to glorify Jesus Christ, which means that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of my heart to see the beauty of Jesus. And when I see that I see Christ and I see that all that he has done and all that he is, then out of my heart, joy is drawn out in him. The fruit of the Spirit, again, is produced in our lives. Joy is produced by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we spend time in his presence, which is where he causes us to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. Yesterday, when I was going over these notes and I'm processing, processing this truth and I'm digging into this, I just got emotional. And I started crying, not because I was sad, but because in this moment I'm saying, God, Jesus, you are beautiful. You're full of glory. And me standing here and doing that and having this emotional experience can move you in some way, but me having my experience is not going to produce joy in your heart. You have to spend time with the Holy Spirit yourself in order for joy to be produced in your heart. You can't get it secondhand from me. You might be motivated. You might see my life and be motivated to have the same kind of experience and the same kind of emotion that I'm having, but you've got to go and be with the Holy Spirit yourself in order for this fruit to be produced. It's not the fruit of JD, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The last piece is that we see him, we see the beauty and the glory of Christ in the word and in the world around us. And when I say the world around us, I don't mean the culture, I mean the world that God has made. 
the most authoritative, clearest piece of, of uh, source and place that we see the beauty of Christ is in the Bible, in God's Word. That, that's why the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the Word of God, so that we could see and know Christ. The Spirit gives us eyes to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus and call it out of our hearts when we see Jesus in the Scripture. And it's not just in the Word of God that we see Christ, but again, in the world that God has made, we see Jesus and his glory and his beauty in the gifts that he's given us, in the gifts of the Spirit, in the people that he's placed in our lives. We see it in, in the gifts of nature, even. We see him in the gifts of all the good things that he's given to us. All the heavenly gifts that are given to us, we see the beauty and the nature and the glory of Jesus Christ. And I'll say this, every gift that Jesus gives to us is intended to be a communication of something about himself. So we see Christ not just in the word, but we see it in the world and how he is at work in the world. Joy is a good feeling in my soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes me to see the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ in the word of God and in the world where he is at work. J.D., what do I do if I don't feel it? What do I do if I don't have this emotion? I can't seem to tap into it. How can we choose joy when we don't feel it? Well, number one, we'll come back to what I was saying. It's a, it's a work that's produced by the Holy Spirit. So go spend time with the Holy Spirit and pray. And say, Jesus, I want to feel what it is that you feel. And why is all this important? Why does it even matter? That we experience joy. Why does it even matter that God wants us to have this good feeling down in our souls? Because there is work that he's called you to do. And without the joy, one of two things will happen. You'll work, but you'll work begrudgingly. Just because you'll have to do it. Which, at least good job. You haven't quit. Or you will quit because there's no joy in it. And you just can't sustain the work without the joy. In the book of Nehemiah, getting ready to start rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah calls over to Ezra, the scribe, and they bring out the Torah And they build this platform for Ezra to stand on. And he takes all morning long, three, four hours, to read the Torah over the people. And as the people hear it, their hearts start breaking because they've been in exile. Or for those of them that have not been in exile, those of them that have been there in Jerusalem, they've been out, they've been without the word and direction of God for 
seven decades now. And now they hear the word of God. And their hearts begin to break. And Nehemiah says to them, I, hey, great, I'm glad you're having this, this emotional reaction. But like the angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. It's going to bring you great joy. Nehemiah says, hey, it's actually time to party, guys, because the word of God is here, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is why we need joy, because we need the strength of God to do the things that God has called us to do, to partner with what the Holy Spirit has called us to do on this earth. We need joy. It's not something that we can bypass. It's not just something like, oh, hope, love, peace, I got all that. That joy thing, not really sure. We'll just leave that on the shelf. No, you need it. Yeah. If, the, if God's got it, then I want it. Well, that's just not how I react to things. Listen, I'm not talking about how you physically react. I'm talking about a deep feeling in your soul that is produced by the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll let the Holy Spirit worry about how that fleshes out in your, in your body. That'll be between you and Him. But if God has it, then I want it and I need it. So what do I do when I don't experience joy? I go and I say, I just Holy Spirit, help me. I pray the same prayer that Augustine prayed. Father, command what you will, but grant what you command. I don't have the ability to just produce the joy in my heart. I need you to give it to me. I need you to help me see the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ. I need you to help me endure getting into the Word of God and seeing Jesus in the, in the Word and in the world around me. And if you are, have ever been in agreement with anything, that is, that is in opposition to joy, then come out of agreement with it. Say, wait a second. I, I, I don't feel joy, but I do feel depressed. Don't confess that over yourself. I'm not saying don't deny realities. But what I'm saying is, that is not the heavenly truth. That's not the heaven reality over your life. That's not what God speaks over your life. Well, I just want Jelana to be depressed. No, that's crazy. God doesn't want you to be depressed. He wants you to feel the joy in your heart as you see Jesus Christ. So if you have come into agreement with depression, come out of agreement. Say, that doesn't belong to me. I'm still wrestling with that. I'm still struggling with that. I'm still in the process of overcoming that. But it, that's, not, that's my, not my identity. That's not who I am. That's not, doesn't belong to me. That's from the enemy. Come out of agreement with it. Here's another way that you can choose joy. And this is going to sound really weird at first. You're like, J.D., I cannot believe you just said this. Fake it. <laughs> what they say? I heard somebody say it just now. Fake it till you make it, right? Now, I want you to hear this. I'm not telling you to be phony. I'm not telling you to be phony. What I am telling you, when I say fake it, here's what I mean by that. Act on God's truth, not act on your negative feelings. So when I say fake it, when you say, well, I got to choose joy, I got to fake it, it means I am 
I don't care if I feel depressed right now. I don't care if I feel an absence of joy right now. I'm not going to act on that negative feeling. I'm going to act on the truth of who I know Jesus is. So I'm going to have to fake it right now. And you know what's amazing? Oftentimes, as we do that as a step of faith, God meets us. Oftentimes, when we say, you know what, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway, God meets us. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a couple of staff members. I won't out them. But we were here on a Wednesday night for a prayer and worship. And afterwards, we were talking. Like One of them said, man, I didn't even feel like coming tonight. But I'm so glad I did, because when I came, God did something. Jamie and I have had that conversation before. You think every Saturday, you think every Sunday morning at 5:30 in the morning I wake up and go, "Woo, I'm ready to go." Sometimes I'm like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go. Back to bed." <laughs> but I don't. I don't act on that. Sometimes I wait. Last night when I went to bed, I didn't feel good. And I laid in the bed and I said, "I don't receive this. My stomach was out of sorts." I said, "I do not receive this. I'm going to get good sleep tonight and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to church." And we're going to be here, and we're, we're going to praise God, and we're going to be with the people of God. We're going to glorify Jesus. I don't care what I feel like right now. And you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. But I didn't act. I could have made a decision in that moment. Oh, my gosh. I don't, my stomach's not feeling good. I need to, let's call Tim. Tim, can you preach tomorrow morning? No. Now, if I was really sick and really ill, I would do that. But this is just a feeling that was coming on. And I, you know, I'm not going to be dominated by feelings. Unless they're feelings from Jesus. Unless they're the good feelings that are produced by the work of the Holy Spirit. Then all day I'll let myself be dominated by those. But fake it. Act on truth and not act on negative feelings. And then I want to give you just one last thing here. Be a giver. Be a giver. I don't know any single person that's a giver that is not a person that I say, man, that is a joy-filled person. We, we talk about the correlation that we did a, a couple weeks ago between gratitude and thankfulness and generosity. I mean, we didn't spend an entire sermon on it, but we mentioned it. There's this correlation. You know, God so loved the world that he gave. He is a giver. It's who God is. It's in his character, in his nature. It's why that one of our core values here at Siege Church is that we live generously. It's not just about how much money you're going to give in the tithes and offerings. Now it's every part of my life I'm going to be a giver. It's going to be not just what I do, but it's going to be an overflow of who I am. You know, people that are takers, they take when they don't have enough, but they also take when they do have enough. It's because of who they are. Givers, they give when they have enough, but they also give sometimes when they don't have enough, even to their own hurt. But it's because of who they are. It's because it's part of their DNA. And I love that the, the, 
the Lord says that he will continue to provide seed to the sower. So as we sow generously, the Lord will provide for us, praise God. But if you want joy, I want to encourage you to tap into the action of giving. Because there's joy in that. There's been times where the Lord's told me to give and I wanted to argue with him and say, God, I can't do that. I can't, I can't give that to that person. There was one particular time I had a guitar and uh, Jamie and I were getting ready to move from Texas and leave and we were gonna start a next season of our life in ministry in Missouri. And I was one of my last days of work and I'm driving down I-35 and I hear the Holy Spirit say, I want you to give that guitar to that, that young girl that's in your, in your small group that you lead. And I said, well, Lord, I can't afford to do that. I can't just have another guitar like that. And the Lord said, you can't afford not to do it. And it was kind of like a word of correction, but also a word of encouragement at the same time. And I just was immediately said, oh, okay, all right, God. You are God, I am not. I don't know what that's all about, but I clearly have heard you after I've tried to argue with you, and now I'm going to be obedient. So I call this girl up. Jamie and I take the guitar. We meet her at her house. We give the guitar to her. She's just overwhelmed. And you know what? I'm so glad I did that. Joy filled my heart as I was walking out and being a giver, reflecting the character and nature of God, and being obedient to, to what God told me to do. And you want to know what happened just within days of that? Someone gave me a car. Someone gave me a car. Now, I'm not telling you, you know, here's the, here's the pyramid scheme, guys. Here's the system. <laughs> you give X, Y, Z, then God is going to do X, this over here. That's not, I'm not telling, I'm just telling you, that my story, my story was God said, do this. I said, God, I can't afford to. And God said, you can't afford not to be obedient to me. I said, okay, you, you, you got it, God. I, I did, God didn't tell me, I'm going to give you a car if you give away this guitar. I didn't hear that. It was just all about me wanting to be pleasing to the Lord and being obedient. That's it. And if I had never gotten a car, I still would have been full of joy. If you're without joy, be a giver. Now, what have we been saying this whole morning? This is a joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the work of the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world around us. So let's do that this morning. I want you to stand up with me. Band, we're going to come up here. And I know we've, been, we've kept you longer today than you, you should, but you're here. You know, you're here. And, uh, and, and if you need to leave, go... Go leave. You're just going to miss out on joy. But um, we're going to sing for just a moment now. And we're going to put our affection and our attention and our gaze on the glory and the beauty of Christ. And we're going to sing this song, When I Think About the Lord. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me. What are the rest of the lyrics? I don't know. Y'all don't want me to sing. But we're going to sing this. And right now, just right where you, you stand, until the band starts playing the music and we start singing the song, I want you, right now, out loud with your voice, begin to just tell God who he is. God, you are good, you are faithful, you are true, you are savior. God, you're, you're magnificent.
Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.